0: All right. Hello, and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here.
1: And I'm Brent Sanders.
0: We are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies.
1: Yes. And we acquired a new company. Ding, ding, really ding, ding. About yeah. Yeah. We need sound effects for this. Ding, ding, ding. We are progressing. I'm really proud to announce that we acquired Scout for Pets, which is a what we consider the premier dog walker software or dog walking software. So this is software within our, I don't want to call it a thesis, but our model, which is going after B2B SaaS. So we're selling two dog walkers that usually have more than one dog walker as, as part of their organization and allows them to do scheduling, billing appointments, everything related to their job and do it in a really efficient way. So we closed, what, a week, a week and a half ago or something like that? Yeah, about a week ago. So it's classic
0: vertical market software. So it's everything you need to run like a small dog walking business, small to medium size dog walking business, I'd say. Most of them have a number of walkers. And just to clarify, the name is Scout. So our customer service guy keeps saying it's Scout for pets. Oh. The name's Scout.
1: The name's Scout. (laughs) <laughs> Scout. Yeah. I, sorry. We haven't gotten we haven't had the brand meeting yet. Yeah. So I on this episode, I think we just want to should we start from the beginning or we sh- should we start at the end and work backwards? Probably from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I wrote the timeline out. So let me bring it up. We just talked through it. So this is like the simplified timeline. So everyone asked where you found it. So this one was found on microacquire. So day one, I sent a message, no response. Day three, no response, followed up with an email. Day four, no response. Followed up again. So this is three contacts. Just for perspective. And then day five got the first response. Wow. I,
1: I had no idea there was because I remember seeing it in, in like bumping it and being like, hey, didn't we talk about this? And I i, I don't usually read the micro choir emails. I get them every day, which by the way, is they do a really good job of like keeping that in, in front of your face. And I remember I had no idea that you reached out multiple times. Okay. So persistence pays.
0: Yeah. So this is something that's I think it's becoming more common on micro is like. And I think they're trying to do this is like vet sellers more because they just mm-hmm. get like an, a monster amount, like a tsunami of inbound and people have no idea whether it's legit or not. Yeah. And James said, basically he had some bad experiences and he's just like, you know, I'm going to keep the listing up, but I'm just not interested in selling. So he said, eventually is like, you know, the third one is like, who's this guy? Why does he keep reaching out? And he looked at our website and I looked at my website and he's like, oh, I kind of like these guys, but like kind of like what they're up to. So yeah, it's not super straightforward. It's not buying something on Amazon. Yeah. So hard to even get a response sometimes. So after that, you know, we had the first meeting with it was just me kind of getting the basics out of the way. Second meeting with you as well, tech and product questions. This is like day 14. Not sure what happened in there, but it was a bit of a delay. And then day 14, we also sent the first offer, which was quickly declined. Day 15, offer declined. And this is a quote, especially regarding the deferred funds. So yeah. that kind of set the tone actually looking back that it's going to become an issue later on.
1: Yeah. And, and so like a little bit about the seller, he is technical. Like He had a partner. So this is really cool. I, now that I am hands-on on the product, now that we kind of have full access to everything. Seeing from a product management perspective, seeing somebody partner with a subject matter expert. So his partner, Rich, I believe, ran a dog walking business and they, they were out of Denver. I think both of them at that time. And just we're we're working on, okay, well, what do you need? Like what's, what's the requirements and working on this thing together. And then they open it up to other people. Other people have the similar working style and pattern that when you use one of these systems, I don't want to call it like an expert system, but it's one of those where it's like very prescriptive. You're going to use it the scout way and there's no other way to kind of adapt it or adopt the, the, the pattern. So it's great if you aren't really sure how to get started and you want to like kind of hop in. So it was cool to see the the kind of integration that he and his partner had. But yeah, going back to the deal from the get go, we usually structure some form of seller side financing on all of our deals. And and yeah, he wasn't having it. So this was two weeks into to kind of talking to him. And then I feel like it kind of, how long did we wait before making another? No,
0: so just back to that. Like some of our favorite founding teams, I'd say is like the industry expert and then like the technical person. And that's yeah. like the best recipe to launch these vertical market software. And this is a classic one. One guy actually ran a dog walking business or pet sitting is what they call it generally. Mm-hmm. And then a developer. So that was like just the classic situation. But so day 15, we're at offer declined day 21. We had another call to talk through offers. Or like just to talk basics. And at that point, we learned of two previous offers, one, which was higher than ours, initial one. And that was from two guys like us, one technical, one marketing. He really liked it, but it was the first offer we received. So he turned it down. And then another one, which was from a financial buyer that was much higher. And he turned it down because he didn't like that. It was a financial buyer basically. And hmm. so those were like, that gave us kind of a range. And we ended up with the final accepted offer ended up within that range Closer to the higher one, but throughout this whole time I was on ProfitWell and I would get like the daily notifications like, oh, went up this $200 yesterday in MRR, $300 in MRR. So definitely felt the push to close something here. So that was day 21, day 31. I may have missed some stuff in here, but call the talk through the updated app in state of the product. So throughout this whole time, there's a new version of the app that's in preparation and getting further and further along. So day 32, we made another offer. Second offer was made.
1: One thing to hop in there and like, the, I remember this now. Yeah. The, the big thing there was like giving us the, the license to offer more. Cause I think our calculus here was like, okay, we're going to need to put investment into this, to get this, this new version of the app done. And so can we build a model and a budget and everything that that nets out where we can get all these things done that we still need to? Cause what I think he had offered is like, Hey, I'll, I'll finish the, I think there was some idea of like, hey, if you meet this price, maybe we can we can work something out where I'll finish the app, which I would never want to do. Like I don't I would never do a deal where there's a deliverable hanging after we. I, I can't even imagine after doing all the legal work we did to then have like some arbitrary kind of vague acceptance criteria around an app getting delivered in a certain amount of time. and And mind you, the seller, he's in a position where he has a a full-time job in addition to this. So, Like I didn't want to tie anything to it, but we were trying to gauge like, okay, could we offer a little bit more because this app's further done? So I think at that point he did, may have granted some access to both like run the app, like test flight, but then he might've also added, added some access to the code.
0: Yeah, backing up, we maybe should have covered this earlier, but so James, the main founder, I guess you'd call him, and like the CEO and CTO kind of running everything, So dog walking got crushed over COVID. Um, So people started walking their own dogs, right? They're working from home. So he, in that time period, I think also had a kid or two. And his wife's like, your startup that was going well kind of got crushed. You should go get a job. So he got a job, chief product officer or something at a series A company. And then it recovered. It really recovered post COVID. So this whole time he's doing like customer service kind of after hours and like building features after.
1: Which is brutal. Like, and I would say the volume of customer support is... 10 times what we have on any other business. It's constant. And so doing it yourself is just anxiety inducing.
0: It's a lot. So, back to we're like a month in. So, day 32, we made that second offer. 33, we got clarification on the offer. Day 34, asked for how long the offer was good for. They, so, and the reason they said this is because they took money from a public company, so a few hundred thousand, and they wanted to negotiate the debt. So, this, is an issue when they have to pay some money back that they fundraised. We said day 35, we said we're flexible, no deadline. Day 36, request for arbitrary deadline. We said the end of the month. Day 49, finally got another update, said he's working through the debt situation with his lawyer. Day 54, offer accepted, asked for an LOI. So making progress. Almost two yeah. months in here. Day 55, LOI sent over. We targeted close for the end of July. Just for perspective, we're at the end of October now. So preview for the days ahead. The day 62, lawyers still reviewing. Said ready to start DD in a few days. Day 67, they thought that the debt had a right of first refusal. So in theory, the deal was dead.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I'm remembering this whole soap opera. Yeah. So the deal, exactly. So there was this other part that we've I've kind of blocked out of my mind that that was like the main thing that was was blocking us because they they had this this other dependency right it wasn't a partner but it kind of was like a third silent partner that had some implications so i forget how was that resolved like it was like they they're gonna have to deal with it but it wasn't gonna have to be right away i think that was the the conclusion uh-huh.
0: So that was day sixty-seven. We found out about that. Day sixty-nine, they actually read the document and figured out right of first refusal actually doesn't apply here. So okay, yeah, um, okay, that's where that ended up. I think the whole thing is like they took this debt on from this public company, but I don't think they the public company had any like rights to information. Yeah. So to my knowledge, they wouldn't even know if he sold. Like they would have to kind of pierce the corporate veil or something like that. Mm. So I, I really don't know how it settled, but we also didn't want to know (laughs) where we ended up. It's not really our problem. Day 74, they said they want the debt situation figured out. So the deal's put on hold indefinitely. Day 84, so we we did a pretty good job of like just staying in contact. So we set up another meeting just to update on the product and another potential offer. So day 87, almost three months in, we made a third offer with more creative financing to get to a larger amount, I'd say, more creative structuring. That one sat out there for a while, day 103, we got a counter with kind of different payment structure. Day 104 was our fourth offer made. So still in between those two other ones that he kind of set as like boundaries of things he's received in the past. Day 105. One,
1: one note on this though, like at, during this time, I, it's important I think to, to articulate that our mindset was like that we kind of had, we felt like we had an agreement. And every time he came back with like, ah, like I wanna do this, but I feel like there's a thing. Do you guys have any advice? And like, it was very collaborative. And I think he wanted to talk through with us because we we have some literacy around the space. And but again, we kept saying, like, it's really not our our relationship. And we can't really tell you, know, like, you got to talk to a lawyer. But there was this underlying sense that we had an agreement. Like we I think we had enough trust in each other that like, hey, this feels like a good fit. Um, especially on like the tech and product end, like we had walked through and done diligence on the products. And like, I was really excited about doing this. And I, I think we both were mentally getting to the point where we were planning the future together to an extent of like, but there was still this roadblock. And and so I don't want to make it sound like we were desperate for this deal there. It felt like we we had kind of like already crested the mountain and we were on, on the way down during this time? Because I, I do feel like we were, we were there, but there were these, these landmines that were like in front of us. So like, okay, well, these things could blow the deal up. And, and like, I don't think we really got into legal at this point because we still didn't want to incur any real costs. I, I, don't, I don't recall.
0: Yeah. Generally, so just a, like a peek on how we operate, I generally create the LOIs myself. So we had uh, lawyers create LOIs in the past, And I just, you replace certain segments. So yeah, no legal was engaged to date at this point. But so this is a question on you. At this point, what was your confidence level that we were going to acquire this company by the end of the year? So we're three months in, right? I
1: was like 65, 70%. I was pretty confident, but shit happens. Like this is the thing where like so many, an innumerable amount of things can happen to get in the way of this. I was... I knew we were going to get this done at some point. That was kind of my mindset. and That's how I, I still kind of feel, even though we're done. But like I knew even with the roadblocks that came up, even if we right at closing time got derailed for whatever reason, like we would come back. I knew that we were kind of like the right fit for this. However, we've had situations which we've talked about on the podcast where other people come in with all cash and double or all, whatever it is. So that that does weigh on me. And I think we we're coming off the heels of that a little bit. And I think we kept meeting him at the middle. Like, I don't think any other deal were this bullish on, like most other deals, I don't think we would keep coming up because A, the relationship was forming, the perspectives into the code and into the product and into the business were improving every month, like things were getting better. So it felt like we were getting a deal each month as MRR was in, in, increasing. But yeah, like, I, how, how about you? Like, where, where were you at? I was pretty confident, probably
0: ended up in a similar place to you around 70% likelihood. I thought we would get it, but like a longer a deal is out there. I mean, there's yeah. a wooing phase, so that's fine. Right. It's like, you're getting comfortable with each other I've talked about in the past. It's really hard for a seller to find like, oh yeah, these guys, I trust them. They're going to take care of my baby. And that matters a lot. But the longer it's out there, it's like you, the seller goes on vacation and he's walking yeah. on the beach and he's like, you know what my goal is? It's like, I'm going to make the best dog walking software ever. So I, I hate, I hate deals that take too long. I don't yeah.
1: like it. Yeah. It's an inverse relationship. The number of the days, the, the actual closing, like the ability to close it. So I think that's where we kept. So you can keep on with the, the timeline because it, it does get much longer. <laughs> does, uh, we can yeah. talk about that because with that is like the main thing that's on our minds is like the longer this is out, the worse chance it's going to get. And then every, every day that goes by, I'm going from like, Hey, we're 90% there. It's every day. It's going down a percent or two.
0: Yeah. So we're at day one Oh five, we, he countered with a larger amount. We said basically meet in the middle, which is not how you're supposed to negotiate, but anyway, it worked here because it, <laughs> it was a real amount. And so we met in the middle, settled on the deal structure and we were, LOI was sent over all good mm-hmm. to go in theory. And then we got back pretty extreme red lines from their lawyer it was so Generally with the LOI, it's like alignment of what we're talking about. So it's just listing things out. So it's not like we're not negotiating legal words here. Like this is non-binding. If either of us wait 60 days or whatever exclusivity is, it's over. So that was unexpected. They also demanded earnest money, which is not something we entertain nor anyone else really should for a deal this size. Not common at all. So that was like our first hint that uh, this is maybe not a great lawyer to be dealing with on their end. And
1: like one thing to note there is like, it just felt very much like a commercial real estate attorney. Somebody who knows corporate law, knows transactions. And and we kept saying this to the seller. And I don't think I, I, after a while we kept saying, it was just like pointless to say, we kept saying, Hey, this doesn't feel market. The first thing we said, once we signed the LOI though, it's like, Hey, here's our philosophy, which if I paraphrase from the email, I wanted to like spend some time to try to educate or or even set expectation. Like, here's the process that we typically run. We've done this a couple of times. Here's how we like it to go. But like overall, we're trying to be fair. Like both sides, we want to be fair too. Like, obviously we're going to negotiate for ourselves and you're going to negotiate for yourself, but we want to do what's fair. And we're just shooting for something down the middle. We're not trying to like tweak the terms because the, the business is in that state. If it was distressed, if it was in a different state, that might be appropriate, but we probably wouldn't. Come up with that up front, and it wouldn't be a, a similar type of closing. And I think from the get go, we immediately kind of put ourselves in like the the good cop, bad cop. From once the LOI was signed, once we started dealing with legal stuff, I think it was it was clear Brent was going to be like the the nurturing like time. And, and by the way, like I felt a lot of empathy for James. I'll just say really briefly, like I sold my first business. It was an agency sold to a venture capital group who, somebody who's done like dozens of deals and like ready to rip through them. I wanted to go slow. My attorney wanted to go slow. And upon retrospect, it was probably misconstrued as like maybe a weird negotiating tactic or being smarter than I actually was, where I was just like, I don't know, I'm just doing what the attorney says. And attorney's jobs are to bring up every way which you're going to get screwed, which is a precursor to the next, what, 30, 40 days?
0: Oh man, no! We have two months to go here. Another <laughs> okay. sixty days yeah. we haven't okay. covered yet. Um, okay, but it's worth mentioning, like this offer that was in the LOI, and this is how we always operate: is like nothing changed. So like all this APA negotiation, all this like kind of crazy terms that they were trying to insert, like we didn't want to change anything, and nor did they really get anything in that you know ended up with them getting more money or different payment structures. Anything like all that stayed the same. It was more of just like the legal battle of a couple thousand words across like 10 pages or whatever that works out to. Yeah. So they requested, back to our timeline, they requested that earnest money because they wanted to pay off the loan with it early and like try to negotiate. And we replied the next day, basically saying, no crazy requests, we're not doing any of this stuff. Crazy requests are my word, not like the nice guy, Brent words. And then you actually said, not me, to be fair. We're not talking about the loan anymore. We're paying you more. Yeah. And we're not. Right. Doing like this. That
1: was that was a good distinction. And that was like for us to come up in price. I think this is before the LOI was signed, right? It was like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna meet you here, but like we'd never want to hear about the loan again. Like because it's it's just not fair to us, right? And and I, seller totally understood that. He was like, Yep, got it. I won't mention it. And it, it came up that one time and then was squashed. It was just like, Hey, we we're, we're trying to, to get past that thing. And it's been, it, it had been, now that I'm remembering, it had been months of like this obstacle or landmine in our way. And we, we cleared it and then it tried to peek out again. And we just said, Hey, come on, we, we, we don't want to deal with that. That's your, your, your side of the house, your domain. We didn't, yeah, we got nothing to do with it.
0: Uh, so this is great. So that was day 107. We sent that email day 107 as well. He's like, okay, gotcha. It'll sense. Day 108, immediate next email, he asked for advice on loan again. So that was hilarious. And then he also asked for like the crazy red lines to be added back in, even after our phone call. And so what we did, I, I hopped on with, with the phone with them again that night. To be like, we don't really negotiate LOIs. This is like just alignment of terms. We're not adding an extra page to this one page LOI document. Yeah. So eventually we talked them down. That's always the best. to just like get on the phone instead of being combative by text. And so day 109, LOI is signed.
1: We um, have At that point, we've got alignment of terms. We know the purchase price. We know the seller financing amount. We know what we're buying from a high level, like where we're going to do the deal in the US, what states, I think from a from high maybe not even that. But like that's it, it. yeah, and that's it. And so then we move to put in an APA together, which we have one we've used for all the other deals, and use that as a starting point.
0: Yeah. So diligence starts day one ten. Start APA draft same day using a previous deal as a base that had the comments from a previous seller as well. So it's like a middle of the park APA draft. So one sixteen, six days later, we sent the draft to their attorney. Set the closing date for like. I don't know, 15 days from then or something like that, and then about 15 days later, we got very extensive red lines from their lawyer once again, with a new collateral pledge that was longer than the original purchase agreement.
1: Oh right, yes. So again, th- this attorney strikes again with like, and I, I I defended the attorney over and over, saying it's just his job, it's just a job. But our attorney was like, this is just over lawyering, like it's you're creating longer documents. So everyone's fees go up. So it just didn't feel great. We shared that with the seller and he's like, yeah, not into that either. I feel like we got some alignment with him on this stuff of like, Hey, if we can just capture it in a simpler version, like I, we had a good rapport, I think, in talking about like just simplicity. And that's something as being a developer, I think we both value. It's like, Hey, you can, you get way more with three lines of code than you will with 15. It's gonna be less to debug, less to deal with. And he totally understands that. And I that's why I think about legal. It's like if you can be more impactful with one sentence, go with that. That's the succinct is better.
0: So that was day.
1: Where do we go? <laughs> so we're 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 in so I'm remembering this. Now we're getting closer, so I can actually remember what was going I got on. It.
0: All right, I got got it now. So, day 139, this is signing day number one, where we agreed to sign. We sent over whatever red lines they had that we agreed to. And then, that like noon, I think James said he was sick and then he wanted, he was going to Hawaii. He wanted to delay closing for three weeks. And we said maybe, which we knew,
1: like we knew that he was, he told us way in advance, he's going to Hawaii. He's got this plan for ages. And I was freaking out because I'm like, I really don't want to let this. I think I said, these changes are severe. This was like a couple days before that point. It was the beginning of that week. And I think he was leaving on that Thursday. I think we spoke on Monday or Tuesday. And I had said an email, like, these are severe changes. And he got kind of freaked out by the word severe. But I said, it's severe in the sense that like, we don't want to be bugging you. We don't want this to carry over to your vacation. We want you to be, I had just had this thing in my mind where it's like, this guy has been building this thing for seven years or so. And like, he's going to go on vacation with his family and he's going to get this big fat wire in his bank account. And it's like, that's the, that's the closing experience I wanted him to have. So I, I got a little carried away with that because I guess it didn't really matter. And he didn't seem to care that much. So, but yeah, we got a little bit jiggity about this thought you've scared the crap out of me. It's like, he's me walking on the beach <laughs> and being like, why should I sell to these schmucks? Like keep this thing for myself. And yeah, like at that point we had already invested in the legal, we'd already put tons of time into it and be the, catastrophic if it it didn't close. So
0: backing up a little bit here, like the way I negotiate and the way I think everyone should is like kind of everyone put their cards on the table. Like what's most important to you. This is what's most important to us. Like, let's find a deal that kind of works for everyone. And so with this final APA, we incorporated all the things that are most important to him. So we gave a significant amount and we got kind of the things we wanted. So at this point, I felt like the negotiation was done. Everyone kind of made their trade. So this is where I I sour afterwards with further <laughs> requests because like, this is classic, actually I had a negotiation class in business school and it was negotiating against this guy. So this is how it works is like you get the primer, whatever the topic is, and then you go wander around the building and you like find seats and you negotiate against each other and then you come back to class. So like you go sit in chairs, you negotiate, you shake hands, deal's done, then you walk back to class. Um And this guy, he actually became a venture capitalist. He's a venture capitalist today, but I'll never deal with him again because he pulled this where we like did our negotiation. And then we were walking in the door of the class, which is like the way booth is structured. It's like downstairs. So it's like kind of a far walk back. And we're like walking the door and he's like, oh, I need, he's switched up the offer on me. He's like, you got to give me like 20% more or I'm not going to sign this. I was like, dude, we already shook hands like a hundred paces ago. We're not doing this. Um, Yeah. So that is the way I do things. Like it's unacceptable to me to like shake hands and then like, hey, I, I got to change a bunch of things on you. So I'll, I'll always hold but it against This them. is
1: where I differ. So the 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 points that came up over the next, what, three weeks? Because so one week was shot because we were like, hey, we're not going to bug you. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be in Hawaii the second week. I'll be kind of working. Like we were able to, to circulate a revised document, but everything that happened, like that document was ready to sign. But the attorney kept bringing up these like gotchas. And over the next three weeks, it was him coming up with ways that the attorney coming up with ways that like, we were not going to do this or not perform that. And in the end, I don't think anything material got like some, there was like maybe six words that ended up changing over three weeks. Right. Like there was, am I right on that? Cause I think it was, it was all about just one area of like, what happens if we default on the seller side financing? that was this kind of question of like, okay, well, the seller side financing represents some percentage of the total equity. The original deal contemplates that you'd get that equity back or or whatever. Like in our minds, we're like, not pay the seller financing. Like if that happens, like the business is gonna be shuttered. Like our careers are over. We're never doing another deal again. And this business for sure is like something happened which is where my mind goes is the reason we have the seller financing, which is like, okay, you didn't disclose something. It blew up the servers melted and we can't get a backup and all, all the MRR goes to zero. And even then, like we could probably rebuild, but even still like something absolutely catastrophic that was withheld from diligence or withheld from us as, as the buyer. So it's almost like that's where, there is some risk in seller financing, but that's also where we're able to, to achieve a, a price that, that he wanted to, to close at. So there is a little bit of risk. And I think there was just a, a lot of technicalities around, okay, well, if this doesn't happen and for us, it's like, we just didn't even go there, which, but again, it's, it's his attorney's responsibility to go through that. But they essentially wanted a form of control to like liquidate the company. And like, in the end, I think it was just a matter of getting the seller comfortable with like what is that scenario? How would that look? And then what ended up getting added, I don't, I don't really feel like it was material enough to like, nothing really changed. I feel like it was just kind of walking through and in, in the, on the closing day or the day before the closing, I remember talking to the seller, like, by the way, I think by this time he started emailing me individually.
0: Yes. I yeah. Colin. All right. I'll like, go through the timeline annoyed with me because it's or worth talking to you. Yeah. So, we're day 130 something. Day day 147, they request some like fairly large APA changes. This is on his vacation. We give in to the reasonable ones and say no on unreasonable ones. They come back with more changes. So this request for absolute control. And then day 153 we had another call to like try to calm him down. I made it clear that I was tired of the additional demands. I felt like the deal was already done. I didn't appreciate it. And then the next day it's like, okay, I'm just going to talk with Brent. I'm going for, forward here. So it day 154. Yeah. You know, what bothered me so much about it is like, these things are kind of zero sum. And so negotiation was done. And so like continuing to ask for more things kind of had no cost for him. And we gave in to some, and then it was just like, it just kept coming. It was like, there's just more and more requests for changes. And it was a bit of a slippery slope. So I don't know, maybe we were overly nice or like overly open to his changes, but so that's day 154. Seller tries to only talk with Brent. Day 159, we give in once again, set a closing date for the following day. And then signing day number two, day 160, seller requests more changes in the morning once again. And then at day 164, seller signing day number three, seller requests, fairly large changes to control and our operating agreement, which was quite a shocking request and not something I've ever even heard of happening before. Um, Day 165, we compromise and give in to their unreasonable requests by any real standard. Day 166, they ask for another change and we give in. And day 167, signing date number four, APA signed, money wired, company transferred. So 167 days later.
1: Yeah. and I think we would have been a lot further. It's just a matter of attorney choice. That's the number one thing. Like, And going back to these things you're saying we gave, gave in on it, I might be recalling it, looking at history with rose colored lenses, but I don't really, like these were all things that were, I don't feel like what actually was reflected felt like anything like a big deal, right? A lot of this was trying to find security around control of the business if we didn't pay the seller note. Like that was the biggest thing. And that's where a lot of the seller had one thing that he wanted He wanted to maximize his cash upfront and then make sure that the cash that he wasn't getting upfront was for sure going to be paid. It was really important. And that was like, and everything else didn't feel like, I don't feel like he cared about much else other than, hey, I want to make sure I'm going to get the seller financing, which on that, the day before closing or the day of closing he got on the phone like four or five times just to kind of i cuz at that point the reason i think this was taking so long is it was he and i would have a conversation come to agreement and then we would go to the attorneys and then they'd be like but what if this or what if that and i was like what our attorney did a, a did us a favor and just emailed everybody on that last day and was like hey we're going around in circles a little bit let's just here's what we're proposing James and Brent talk and I think at the end, like they agreed to terms that were similar, if not the, the same as they weren't too dissimilar from where they started. And it was, it was just coming down to a matter of trust. Like that was the last piece that I think we didn't earn that trust until spending enough time. I mean, my conversations, they were just like open brain line of thought, like, okay, let's walk through together. What happens if we don't pay the seller? No, what's the situation how much control will you have on the the corporation, on the business? And I think what they were trying to do is start down that path of like, okay, now let's define all those legal terms. And I was just saying, it's like, it's, that's a whole other thing that we would, would, it would take months and your legal bills are going to be huge. So we just need to kind of come up with high level terms that we can agree on. The main thing you're going to have to do is like, trust that not trust that, like, oh, we're going to pay you, but like, trust that we're going to work in your best interest. If for some reason, and and this is where we went, we're like, if I died, if I got hit by a car, then that's a, could happen. Colin could die. I could die. These are real kind of situations that can occur that are catastrophic, that would result in him not getting the seller financing or a disruption in that. And it's like, if that happens, here's what you can reasonably expect. And so we just went down that and maybe spent an hour out of, in, in, in total in these like 15 minute calls, going through that and i think just exhausting ourselves and being like okay well we just have to leave some up that like we're gonna act in good faith and both sides are gonna act in good faith and like i think had we gotten to that a little bit sooner maybe it would have been less but i I really do think this attorney was doing these like throwing grenades at him but like but what if this then you'll have no control you're not going to get this like it's just a tough thing to you're taking risk with a seller note but you're also getting a higher price so i think he he did a fine job of like articulating that and his discomfort around that. But then it's hard to expect a seller to find a good attorney because they don't really have these people lined up unless they've done it two or three times already.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where this whole thing went wrong. I think it's kind of a paranoid seller is the way of saying it. And then attorney that is definitely inexperienced in this exact type of deal. He's like a
1: larger real estate attorney.
0: So I guess, what do you think we could have done better? Or do you think any of this was preventable?
1: He asked very early on for deadlines. And I think there is a chance that you blow the deal up because a deadline gets missed. But I think putting it on rails, I noticed FE does this sometimes. They put a nice schedule together of like, here's where we expect to be. Yeah. If we're flagging, like we need to escalate this in a way. And I think we never did a good job. We were always like, hey, you're the seller. Let us know. Like, we can't tell you. I think we didn't ever want to put an ultimatum out there because we really wanted the deal done. And again, we kept seeing the the business improve. And so I think that would have been playing a little bit harder ball earlier. I think the other thing that would have been helpful is like, he's in Philly. I'm in Cleveland. You're in Chicago. We should have gotten together. Yeah, That would have been a way to build some trust. And like, I think it's like, we've never met him and we've never met anyone else that we bought a business from, but I think in some cases like this, when it's the bootstrap founder, who's brought this thing out where, where it is, I think meeting people is, is really important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's probably something we should think about doing. My other ideas of what we could have done better. I thought we could have explained recourse if things went poorly a little better, like if- I think we could have more of an educational component to this and just like explaining the basics to folks. I felt like maybe his, his attorney didn't do that at all. And we kind of missed an opportunity there to kind of take the reins and explain things. Yeah. I, this is something we've talked about in the past of like, can you just recommend better attorneys to folks? I think, yeah, I got to send a micro acquire or something like that. Trusted attorneys, we could have introduced them to like previous sellers that have worked with us in the past just to be like, Hey, we worked with these guys, talk to them about seller financing talk to them about the whole experience with us and what happened to companies after
1: um yeah and then we'll I... podcast about the whole thing after yeah hopefully like this is not received as like us griping about it i think it's the intention of of having this is one for us to do a postmortem, but two for the audience at large to like hear what what is an actual deal how does it go and they're not all perfect like we think we're good at this. I, could somebody have come in and closed it, hardball closing in, in 15 days? Like maybe, but like, keep in mind, like we're not working with a, a fat stack of cash. Like that's where I think we have the desire to to have funds at the ready to be able to close things faster. We're still asking for seller side. We're asking for for a lot in all fairness. Like we're asking, we're paying a price, but then we're also making this stuff work by rubbing two nickels together frankly
0: so that's standard though so seller financing is in like 90 percent of small deals and there should be some risk on their side so like making it a situation where the risk is basically zero kind of negates some of the purpose of seller financing yeah of, like we want them to be kind of on the hook like if the business crashes and burns we kind of want them to not be incentivized for that to happen we want them to yeah. help us so like taking away all i mean we gave them some teeth and then we just kept giving them teeth and teeth and teeth to our eventual detriment. Like, I, I don't think there's any real chance that we don't pay the seller financing and it's going to matter. Yeah. But there are costs. There are real downside costs for us of giving, giving, giving.
1: I also like- Legal costs.
0: Yeah. No, legal costs as well. I also want to, I don't know how you ever get there. We've talked about in the past of just like, this is the APA contract. We've used this for like the last 10 deals. Your inexperienced lawyer isn't going to dictate the terms. Like this is set. And I, I want to be, play harder ball, but it's like, we wanted this company- we kept giving in little things that didn't really matter. I don't know. This is something I could talk about. I you like on every podcast, I don't know what the solution is, but it's a, a real irritant.
1: Yeah. I, I think that there's something like micro could do that. We talk about this a lot. is like, and I think they're working on it is like a mm-hmm. transaction pipeline that they could put you on where it's like, it could be escrow, right? Honestly, like I think that's what I don't really want to do escrow or when all these deals and it's a pain, but like, I think there are some things that are, if there's a third party that's trusted could totally smooth this stuff out. Cause it's like, it's not even the legal fees. Like our attorney wasn't happy doing all this. It was like, she doesn't want to do it. Like, she's like, ah, this stuff keeps coming up And that the other attorney, he's trying to do his best to not to, or to protect his, his client, but it's just putting it on rails would, would certainly help. Putting yeah. It on like I... a, more or more like here are the, the milestones. Here are the things that we will cover. Here's the point at which we will cover them. But again, every, every business seems to be a bit of a snowflake.
0: Yeah, I think you have a very nice interpretation of his attorney. I think he was clearly racking up fees on his end. And I think all attorneys do, like if you let them talk, I mean, they're paid by the hour. Like, what do you think the incentives say to do? It's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, that's,
1: there is no Um, attorney that will disagree with that.
0: My other thought in something I want to do better next time is like, I kept saying, or we kept saying, this isn't market, like we're not going to entertain this stuff. And you could bring like, there's stats on what is market, like what percent of deals have working capital adjustments, what percent of deals have seller financing. So just bring in those reports. And even like, I actually posted this question to Twitter of like, how do you help through a bad opposing attorney? And it's, you basically, you know, show them how other deals are done. Yeah, and support that all with facts. So that's something I want to do better next time of like, and James actually said this of like Colin's word saying this is a market isn't gospel. And our attorney has to look it up every time, which is a bit of a clue that their attorney didn't know what market was. Yeah, he just was like, had to go and figure it out as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you were to be able to look at these and say, hey, here's what typical terms are. Even if it's like anecdotal consensus across attorneys, that's valuable. Like that's, we use that. That's our, our benchmark. We're not trying to do anything weird. We're just trying to not get kind of played on a, on a, on a deal or get disproportionate terms for, for something. So, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the ethos is the same. We're trying to go down the middle and be fair. And it's like, we're, I'm more concerned about like working on the business than working on the, the APA, but I think that's why we do what we do.
0: Yeah. So it's all done now. Business is great. I'm excited it's over. It's just like, yeah, throwing up, figuring out guardrails to make it not as painful in the future. Cool. Anything oh. else you wanted to cover?
1: No, I got to run. I got to go to my next meeting.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Long one. All right. Take care, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening and watching.
0: Bye. Bye bye.